Well, hello, everybody. How y'all doing this afternoon? Oh, goodness gracious. How y'all doing this afternoon? I spoke to our high school students, like all, like thousands of them last night, and I just was used to a little more response. Sorry. Uh, how are we doing this afternoon, church? Are we doing good? Okay. Um, man, well, I'll tell you, that never gets old. Two things about that never get old to me. One were the stories. I mean, I just love hearing a child express their faith. I mean, just how like pure and how honest it is and how real. Um, I'll tell you, the second thing that never gets old is seeing um, uh, Charlotte Peters and Jack Hazen um, sitting there with their students. Those are high school students that are just like deciding to give their lives away to a bunch of kids. I mean, how many high school students do you know are, um, are willing to do that on a Sunday? And that never gets old to see that. So, um, man, so cool. But hey, I got a, a question for you. Have you ever been in a really, or found yourself in a, a really awkward moment at church? Have you ever found yourself uh, feeling a little out of place at church? That's a little bit what we're talking about for the next three weeks. I grew up in church and I work for a church, so I've definitely had plenty of those moments. So if you have, you're not alone. Uh, I wanted to tell you about one of mine that's real vivid in my memory. Uh, I felt so embarrassed. And uh, I, it was when I went to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes gathering for the first time at the University of North Carolina. That's where I went to college. So freshman year, I go to this thing. Now I had grown up in a church that where like when they did the, the singing, the worship, it was a little more like liturgical. It was like hymns and hymnals, which I loved. And I'm so thankful that I grew up in that. Um, but it was a little more, you know, reserved. It was a little more traditional, if you will. And so I show up at this thing, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes for the first time. And the people were so nice. People were like, oh man, you got to go to the FCA. And so I like, I came and I was meeting people. I had like pizza beforehand. Cause that's what you do in college when you're doing college ministry. And, uh, so I was just like, they're meeting people and then like some music starts up front somewhere. And I'm like, oh, I guess. And someone's Hey, come get a seat. And, and I was just like, everybody was so nice. I just met so many people. It, it just felt like I continued. So I walked and when I went in like a row of chairs in that pews, just a row of chairs. And I'm like, man, even the people here, like they were just holding up a hand for a high five as I was coming in. So as I walked down the road, I just went high five, high five. <laughs> and, and those people looked at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, shoot. They weren't holding up their hand for high five. They were holding up their hand for worship. I mean, this guy wasn't going like, oh yeah. He was going like, oh yes, Lord. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. You know, oh my gosh. I wanted to like run out of the room. That was so embarrassing. I was like, oh yeah, we don't do that in my church. I'm so sorry. You know, oh my gosh. Um, man, so I remember that. Maybe you've had a time like that at some point in your life where you experienced something in church and you were like, what is going on? And um, that's what this series is about. We're calling it Church Words. And we're talking for three weeks about some words that we say in church that people that aren't a part of church probably don't really understand. Things that maybe even you've done in church, some of your life, if you've been in church, that if you were to be honest, you'd say like, I don't know that I even fully understand why we do that thing or why we do it that way. Um, things that preachers can just roll off their tongues from stages as everybody, as if everybody knows what they are when the reality is many actually don't. And so for three weeks, we're going to talk about three things that Christians say in church. In fact, three things that we do in church that were they not explained to you, uh, you might not really have an idea of what they are and what they mean. And these three things that we're going to talk about are three of my favorite things that we do on Sundays in here. Three of my favorite things that we do on Sundays in here. Now, there are three things that if you were first time in church, they, uh, they might seem 
a little weird. They might seem a little strange. And those three things are worship, communion, and baptism. Those are some church words right there. Worship, communion, and baptism. How many times in the workplace or in home or hanging out with friends do you ever use those three words? Those are big time three church words. And sure, to uh, the average person that might not be experienced or used to them, those things might seem a little strange. I mean, if you think about it. But rather than avoid them, rather than avoid them, we want to explore them because I love them. They're three of the most beautiful and powerful things that we'll ever do as a, as a, as a family, a church family on Sundays. And I think in exploring them, it's going to make our faith richer. I think it's going to make our experience on Sunday perhaps richer. And, and if you're not a church person, if you're not a Christian, at a minimum, it will make your understanding of Christianity and your picture of Christianity a little richer and deeper and more meaningful, I hope. And so that's what um, we want to talk about. And like I said, um, we're going to talk about the three next week. We're going to, um, oh, oh, the cool thing is that I'm not just going to talk about it. We're actually going to not just talk about it. We're going to practice it together as a church. Um, so uh, next week, we're going to take communion together. I know some of you have been asking like, hey, when's the next time we're taking communion? Well, next week. So if you want to be here for that, you kind of got to be in the room for that one. So, um, you know, get here. It's going to have, it's going to be a great time. And then the week after, we're actually going to have a huge baptism celebration. We're going to talk about, talk about and celebrate baptism. I know we just did, but we have like, like literally eight to 10 students that want to get baptized. There's so many of them. So we're going to take that opportunity. And by the way, if you really think about communion and baptism, they are super weird. Like on one, we talk about eating the body and drinking the blood of someone. You know, think about that one for a second. And then the other, we're like dunking people in a pool, you know, in in randomly in church. Uh, so we're, we're going to save those for, for later. And today we are going to just hit the softball, a little easier one. And we want to talk <clears throat> about worship. Because every Sunday, at some point, uh, it, gets to the, it gets to the time in the service where I say, or John says, or somebody says, hey, let's stand and worship. Yeah, and we start singing songs. Like the band's like, let's go. And people start singing along, you know? Some people even close their eyes. Some people get that look on their face. You know the one they're like, that one, you know, that look. Some people might raise a hand. Some people paint the sky. Some people make it with double hands, straight up, out to the side. You know, a lot of different variations. And that starts happening like every single Sunday. And man, if you're new to that scene, if like you walk in for the first time, when you see that, you might be going, what in the world? Like what in the world is, what, wait, what's, we just shifted gears? What is this Christian karaoke? Is this what, is y'all's version of karaoke? Is that what we're, you know, we're doing? Or, or is this like, I don't know, you know, the movie Elf where, where Santa's sleigh is powered by the, the Christmas songs, you know, like angels are powered by songs. Like when we start singing, the angels are like, you know, like that, that's how it all works. Is that, you know, is that what you guys sing? Is that what's going on with this? And, and of course it's, it's not, but, um, so we want to talk about what it is. Uh, what is, is worship? Because perhaps you don't know, or perhaps you've just been going with the flow and you're like, man, I've never actually gotten a good answer to like, why do we sing every single Sunday? And, and what is this whole worship thing about? Or maybe you've forgotten because it's been so long and you've just like been in church for your whole life. And we just wanted to hit refresh on, on this church word that we just kind of say, and maybe don't explain all the time. Uh, and to start I'm going to, I'm going to call up some backup here in a bit and we're going to kind of experience this together. So, you know, it's going to be a little different kind of sermon, but just to start, I want to talk for a second. And, um, for starters, I wanted to, um, start with perhaps the biggest misconception about worship that many of us have, me included for many years of my life. One that I've a little bit already referenced so far. And it's simply this misconception that worship equals singing. 
Common misconception, one of the biggest misconceptions, I mean even of seasoned Christians, is this idea that worship equals singing. What's worship? Well, it's singing. It's that thing we do when we sing on Sundays. And it's a very understandable misconception because like in our you know, vernacular in church world, we've come to kind of use those words interchangeably, haven't we? Like, hey, you should come to the night of worship. We're going to sing a bunch of songs. Like, it's going to be awesome. Or man, worship was great today at church. Like, I love song three, you know? Or, um, hey, I, I'm listening to some worship music. We kind of use those words interchangeably. And that's totally fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as we remember uh, that worship is not primarily a genre of music. That worship is, is in fact, not, it does not primarily involve vocal cords. That's not what worship is. Worship primarily involves something very different than just singing. And that's the misconception that I want to clear up real quick before we kind of talk, start talking about the singing thing. The Apostle Paul actually gives us a really clear definition of what worship is. Really clear, really clear. And he says it this way. Some of you know this verse. This is Romans 12, chapter 1 through 2. He says this, Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody say living sacrifice. So offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then here it is. He says, this is, this is it. This is your true and proper worship. You want to know what worship is? It's really straightforward, maybe different than you thought. Perhaps what you assume from just showing up at church and watching what we say when we say worship and what we do right after we say it. But he says, no, this is what true and proper worship is. It's when you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, <clears throat> holy and pleasing to God. So this concept of sacrifice for centuries and centuries, almost for all of human history, sacrifice was like the primary vehicle of worship for all of humanity. That's what you did. You brought an animal sacrifice or a grain sacrifice um, or other things to, to sacrifice. But in our faith and in the history of God's like activity in the world, if you've read the story and the narrative of the Bible from the Jewish scriptures on into the New Testament, uh, well, that all changed with the coming of Jesus. Jesus came and he provided what he said was the final once and for all sacrifice for sin. And he gave his life on the cross and he died on the cross. If you want to know more about that story, I would love to tell you. I just spent about 30 minutes telling our students last night at this event. Um, but, but just in a nutshell, um, when Jesus came, he's like, hey, I, I am the sacrifice of God, the lamb of God once for all time. No longer a need for any animal sacrifices. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad I'm not like bringing goats out today? And you're like, whoa, it's getting R-rated real quick in here. Um, so Jesus put an end to the, the animal sacrifice system that was happening in the ancient Jewish temple. A little bit of history lesson there. That's when it all changed. But the worship that remains, the apostle Paul writes, the worship that remains is simply this, that you would bring yourself. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. That's the worship that remains is that you would bring yourself and say, hey God, here, I'm yours. That you would live your life as a living sacrifice. That you would live and surrender to God in relationship to God and service to God, living for the name and the cause of your creator. That's what worship is. You know what worship is? You know, it's in fact not singing. And maybe that's a surprise. Here's a way better definition of worship. If you would like one, what worship is, is simply this, the quick, the shortest way I could say it, that worship is a life that belongs to God. Worship is a life lived belonging to God. It's a life 
belonging to God. Or we could say it's a season of life belonging to God. Or we could just get really narrow. Like what worship is, it's, it's just a day. It's one day, a day at a time, a day lived belonging to God. And if you wanted to know, hey, did I worship today? Did I worship God today? The question you wouldn't need to ask is, did I sing today? Rather than ask that question, the question that you should ask is, did I walk through my day belonging to God? If you wanted to know, did I worship today? You should say, well, did I walk through my day belonging to God? Did I walk through my day close to God? Did I walk through my day saying yes to God and his will for my life? And if so, then yes, you worship today. That's what worship is. And you and I were made to do it. You and I were made to worship. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but this just kind of hardwired into your soul, into your, your psyche, into your brain, whatever you call that thing in the center of you. It's hardwired in there that you're going to worship something. You're going to make something the center of your life. You're going to make something the, 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 in the, put something in the driver's seat of your life. You're going to make something like the core of your life, the object of your worship. You're going to do it. And, and all of history, that's what God has been inviting us and telling us. He's like telling all of humanity, hey, it's me. It's me. I am the thing that you were made to worship. I am the thing that you were made to put at the center of your life. And when you do, it'll change everything. Everything will fall right in line. I'm the thing that you were made to belong to. So live your life belonging to me. Everything else is a poor replacement. So there, that's what I wanted to set up. That's what worship is. Worship is a life belong, that belongs to God. That's what worship is. And we're all called to worship God, to live our lives belonging to him. So never forget that. That's what worship is as a definition, but that raises the obvious question, which is one I really wanted to get to today. The obvious question is that, well, how then is the worship we're supposed to live connected to the songs that we sing? Like, how is the worship we're supposed to live on the weekdays connected to the songs that we're always singing on the Sundays? And why is it that in church we always connect those two? And to help us answer that question today, I wanted to bring out my good friend and many of yours, our worship pastor here at East Cobb Church, John McCullough. Would y'all please welcome John McCullough to the stage? What up, dude? Hey. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, so... I'm just going to play a few songs. Yeah, just, you know, grab your guitar. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It'll make your message. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, keep the vibe underneath me. Yeah. It'd be great. Um, so I was, obviously you heard this, but I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm bringing up the question of how, how is this the worship that we're supposed to be living during the week yeah. connected to the songs that we're always singing on Sunday? Uh, because not only do we actually sing songs every Sunday, we say, hey, let's worship together. And we sing, not only do we do that, but also, I don't know if you knew this, but... Um, it is the second most, I wrote this down, I want to get this right. This is the second most commanded practice in the Bible next to prayer. The command, the practice to worship God through singing. It's mentioned second to prayer, the most times, the over 400 times in the Bible. Now, hey, worship God through singing. So the question is like, why are those two ideas linked? Why is it when we come to worship, we're always linking it to um, this idea of, of singing songs? And the answer is really simple. The answer is really simple, and it's this right here. It's because the songs that we sing impact the lives that we live. Yeah. And you know that's true. I mean, even the radio songs that you listen to in the car. It's just true. The songs that we sing, they impact the lives that we live. And, and they, they impact them, and then they can impact them in a really powerful way. And, and here's the deal. When we sing in here on Sundays... The songs that we sing are meant to impact our lives in one of two ways. On one hand, on one hand, the songs that we sing on Sunday are meant to be this in our lives. An exclamation point. 
an exclamation point. Sometimes the songs that we're singing in here on Sundays are meant to be an exclamation point at the end of a week belonging to God. You know what I mean? It's meant to be an exclamation point at the end of a week lived belonging to God. That you, after spending a week walking with God and loving God and knowing God and trusting God and saying yes to God and surrendering to God and and worshiping God, that you would show up here on Sundays and we start singing a song and your soul would go, heck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Exclamation point. Like worship was already happening when I walked in the door. But that song... Man, that song had the words that I needed to put an exclamation point on the end of my week, worshiping my heavenly father. It's an exclamation point. So, and some yeah. songs are like really good at that. Yeah. And this is one of the ways that you're so great at. John, what is a song that you feel is like one of those exclamation point yeah. songs? Uh, I'll just give you a quick chorus. And let me just say this. This just, I think I want to emphasize like how much intentionality goes in to what we do. Like the people that are up here that pick the songs and like sing yeah. them and all that. Like... There's a lot of intentionality behind it. It's not just, oh, we just haven't sang this song in a while. Like they're picking and we're choosing songs that are like speaking to us and that we believe God is wanting um, for his church to sing. So a good example of this, that's just a a clarification because my dad, I've been been doing this for a very long time. My dad, when I was in college, he was like, so what is it you do? Like, what would you say you do (laughs) for a a full-time job? Yeah, like how? (laughs) Anyway, um, that's not all I do, I promise. Um, but here's, here's an exclamation point for you right here. So hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Mm. That's an exclamation point, I think, right? His voice is ridiculous. Oh, stop it. I'm jealous. Yeah, that's an example. Songs that we sing, they impact the lives that we live in. Man, I hope, I hope you have many Sundays. I hope you have many Sundays where your experience is, man, that song, it was an exclamation point at the end of the week that I spent worshiping God. When I walked in the door, my soul was already feeling it. My mind was already thinking it. My life was already reflecting it for the last six days of the week. But that song had the words that I needed. And those words were like a gas pedal on your worship, pushing you into the week ahead, like gas pedal on your worship as you walk into the week ahead. And, and I hope a lot of the time that's what singing these songs on Sundays does for you. And that's how it's connected to your worship of God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But of course, that's not always the case. Songs are not always and only just like a, an exclamation point on my, you know, fire my faith that nobody can put out. And So that's just only one of two, though. And the second one is that sometimes, and honestly, gosh, maybe most of the time. A lot of times, yeah. Maybe most of the time, the songs that we sing here on Sundays are are more like this. A comma. Yeah. Sometimes that's the impact that the songs we sing on Sunday are supposed to have on our lives. Because an exclamation point, it pushes the sentence further, faster, right? Like sentence, you know, like when you're texting someone and they're like, whoa, exclamation points. But a comma, what does a comma do to a sentence? It redirects it. Yeah. Uh, an exclamation point hits the gas pedal on a sentence. A comma turns the steering wheel on a sentence. And sometimes that's exactly what I need on a Sunday, right? I mean, because I don't know about... Y'all, but like, I don't, I don't always get my weeks right. Like, I don't always 
get this worship thing right. I'm not always full of faith every week. No way. I mean, sometimes I get distracted by other things. Sometimes I get discouraged by other things. Sometimes, honestly, I give my devotion and my, my love and my following to other things. Sometimes I get overwhelmed. Sometimes I get worried. Sometimes I wreck my whole week. I mean, it's my fault. I just wreck my week. Sometimes my week wrecks me. Like I didn't even see it coming. Circumstances just wham, just wrecked me, you know? And on those Sundays, the songs that we sing and hear are meant to be a comma that turns the steering wheel of my heart and my mind and my life back to the God that I was made to worship. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I haven't thought that much about God this week, comma, but I'm going to sing about how important he is today. Or, hey, I had a hard time trusting God this week, comma, but I'm going to sing about how trustworthy he is. Or, man, I spent most of this week putting my my faith in and running after things other than God, comma, but I'm going to sing about how he's Lord of my life and he's the greatest thing I could ever find. Or, man, I had a hard time holding on to hope this week, but comma, I'm going to sing about the fact that he is my deliverer and I can count on him no matter what. Because the songs that we sing, they impact the lives that we live in right now. I need a comma. I need a comma turn my life, to turn my attention, to turn my heart back where I wanted to be. I need that all the time. And there are some songs, and I bet you can think of some. There are some songs that are so great at that. That are so great at being that little comma on your Sunday. And What's an example of one of those? Yeah, uh, the first one that comes to my mind is um, Even when I don't see it, you work. Yeah, that's a good one. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. And you know, we sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker. And then what's I love about it is then we go to that part that's like, uh, that is who you are. Yeah, that's good. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. And what I think is funny about that is um, we're singing this song to God, saying, yeah. God, you are these things, as if God needs to be reminded of those <laughs> things. But he doesn't need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. And yeah. that's what makes, I think, music so powerful is like it is the, it, the comma in it is like it, it makes me pause and think, yeah, I need to be reminded that even when things aren't good and it feels like God is far away, even when I don't see it or feel it, he is still like at work yeah. doing what he does. So That's yeah. the comma. Yeah. And that's why... I want you to be in here on Sunday. That's why I want you to tune in to worship. Not just like get the message later. And I'm not hating on that. If you do it, sometimes that's all you can do. And I get it. But that's why I want you in here for the songs that we sing. They're not random. They're not like a warm up. They're not the opening act. Sometimes they're the comma you need in your week. And you know it. Like you feel it coming into this Sunday. Like your soul's feeling it. Your heart's hungry for it. Your life, you know you need it. But the song gives you the words you didn't know you need. And you're like, oh, that was it right there. That was what I needed to hear today. I didn't even need that message today. I needed that song today. Mm-hmm. And God goes, and turns the steering wheel in your heart and your mind and your life. So that's what worship is. And that's how it's connected to the songs that we sing. The songs that we sing, they impact the lives that we live. And they're either an exclamation point on the end of a week of worship, or they're a steering wheel, a comma that turns us towards the God that we were made to worship away from maybe a week that was just hard. Or that we were just distracted. The weeks that we, you and I both have all the time. 
Sometimes it's exclamation point. Sometimes it's a comma. And you're going to have both kinds of weeks all the time. And that is totally okay. And both of those weeks, when you decide to worship at the end of it, when you decide to sing the songs of God that are either going to light up your heart or redirect your heart, both of those are going to grow your faith. Both of those are going to put, propel you further faster to where God wants you to be. Both of those are going to lift you up. Both of those will prepare you uh, for what's ahead, help you process what's, what's just happened, what's behind. And that's why I think, man, the songs that we sing, they're not just like a part of our service. Sometimes they're like the most important part for me. And so that's why we sing on Sundays. That's why we call it worship. Because worship's way more than a song. It's way more than a song. It's a life lived belonging to God. It's a life that belongs to God. But the songs that we sing, they impact the lives that we live. And so with all that being said and that context being set up, I really wanted to like set that. And John and I wanted to kind of set that in our church family in kind of in the foundation of our church. Like, hey, what is this worship thing and why do we sing? But it does bring up some other questions and um, questions you and I have discussed before and you have a lot of great thoughts on these. Um, So I wanted to direct a few of those your way. So like one question, John, is what is actually special about music? You know, like I said, it's like the most second most mentioned practice or commanded practice in the Bible next to prayer. Why? Yeah. Why song? You probably just made a lot of people in the room go, oh, no, I don't even like the music part of the service. It's so loud and annoying. Um, I didn't know that it was the second most commanded thing. No, uh, music is really powerful because we know this, right? We, Jamie said this, you know, music does something to our emotions, right? You hear a song that you grew up listening to and it takes you back to that feeling that you had mm-hmm. when you heard it, right? Nostalgia. Um, music has this really unique way of, of attaching to our emotions. And I heard Andy say this one time and it stuck with me like a decade ago. I heard him say this. He said, worship music is really powerful because it takes uh, truth about God and it attaches that to our emotions. So now not, it's not just our head knowledge. It's not just the way we think about God, but it's something that we feel. And oftentimes, uh, and some personality types are different, but for a lot of us, it's hard to get our head and our heart on the same page. Yeah. With something and like, uh, I mean, an example of that is when you hear a chord progression, um, it makes you think and feel certain things. So, like for example, something that's kind of uh, darker, kind of a minor key like that, right? It kind of makes you feel and think something a little differently than something that's more like major and uplifting. And that's why, like, even the chords that we pick <laughs> that go with these songs. Um, are really important. There's this cool, I don't want to go too deep into this, but there's this cool thing where uh, Bethel took this song, It Is Well. So you've heard that song, right? Um, it is well with my soul. That's the original progression. Uh, uh, it goes to the one major, the major chord. It is well He's getting into nerd music with terms here. my soul. It's on the one. But then Bethel took this and, and they changed that. Instead of going to the one chord, they went to a minor six chord. So it sounds like this. It is well with my soul it is well with my soul and what i think is cool about that is it makes me think hey even in the dark times of my life like even in the moments where it doesn't feel like it's going to be well it actually is okay like god is still yeah. there it just the music alone makes me feel that it's okay to be surrounded by darkness because god is light and that's what yeah. I need in my life. And that was a new thought to me when we started diving into this, is that God has actually chosen, in part, this vehicle of music for a yeah. reason, that it does attach truth to emotion, yeah. and it attaches both to your memory. And he gave us both, right? He, he gave, gave us both, He gave right. us our brains and our souls. Like, there's a huge feel. difference between me telling you, hey, God's going to take care of you, and me saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah. 
All of a sudden, the poetry of David, you know it. It's in your soul. You can feel it, especially if you know that one. Let's move on to second yeah. question, though. Um, hey, can't I do worship by myself? Like, why is it on? Do, is there something special yeah. about doing it all together? Can I do by myself? Or what is, what's the deal with that? Yeah. People have asked that before. I mean, definitely, I think that's, a, yes, you should worship by yourself, right? I mean, even Jesus, there's this great verse in Mark. I think it's like chapter 30 or something, 23, something I can't remember. But where Jesus, it says he gets up really early in the morning before the sun rises and leaves the house where everyone is staying. So he's like staying with all his, his bros and the people. And he's like, I got to get up early. I got to go be with the father. Because like, if I don't do it now, I won't get a chance to, and I need to be alone with God. So like, we're commanded to do that. Like, it's good to worship alone. However, the corporate worship thing is really, really important. And I think Jesus kind of intended us for, for us to do this because like you were saying a second ago, maybe your worship, you're experiencing worship of an exclamation point, or maybe you're experiencing worship of a comma, but someone else around you needs to see you worshiping in one of those ways, right? Like maybe I'm walking in the room with a, I have a comma on my life, right? I just am kind of in a pause and I need to be reminded of the exclamation point that is happening in somebody else's life. Yeah. And I need to see them worshiping that way. Um, and I think it's also cool that like, you know, all of us can be, maybe we all walk in the room as one big comma in our life. And we're like, I don't know, man, it's just a big question mark to me. I'm worried. But God is saying, look, look around you and look at the people standing next to you and go, it's not, you're not alone in this fight. Like we're in this together and you have each other to lean into right. as you worship together right. and as you find my glory and my grace and my yeah. mercy. There is something special about corporate worship because never underestimate the impact of your faith on somebody else's. And sometimes just watching y'all worship makes me go, oh yeah, God is, he's awesome. Yeah, let's go, you know? I also love the verse that God inhabits the praises of his people. And uh, it's a scripture and God's saying like, there is a a unique presence of God in corporate worship. I mean, not that you you can find God anywhere. God's with you everywhere you go. But like when we get together and we all praise him, God's like, I am there in a special way. You can experience my presence, both the truth and the emotion of my presence in a pretty special way. Like God's not just like leaning over from heaven and like listening like, yes, yes, worship. No, he's Season's like off actually inhabiting, like not just even dwell, but like <laughs> living in, existing in our praise, which is really, I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty freaking cool. cool. Yeah. Hey, one more. Um, what's the deal with the hand raising thing? Is What's that about? And do it's I need weird. to do it? And this, no. that, and the other? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I raise my hands and we're just, no, I know. So yeah, like, yeah. Um, I, let me just say it this way. I, posture matters. Okay. Um, and this is in your private worship and in corporate worship as well. Posture matters. And maybe you've experienced other churches that are like more charismatic, which literally just means they have more charisma. People are probably more free with what they do. Maybe you experience a little bit of, a bit of that here. Um, we're not like commanded to do this, but I do think when I change my posture, it helps me with that whole like getting my brain yeah. and my heart on the same page with each other. Um, for example, I mean, let me just ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud. Um, we're all here together. But when was the last time that you in your own private prayer life kneeled down before God? Like when was the last time you actually got on your face and prayed to the creator of the heavens and the earth? Now, thankfully, he doesn't require us to do that, right? No. It's like, man, you can pray to me when you're driving down the road. But I think for me, there's like a thing when I change my posture that it changes my attitude, it changes my heart, it changes my mind, and it kind of gets everything in sync Together, So I also think it's really powerful when people do that and they see other people doing it and they go, man, yeah, like I, I actually, I heard Matt Redmond say it this way. Yeah. The band's going to come out in a second. Um, I heard the, the Matt Redmond say it this way. One of the most powerful things for people is, uh, especially people who aren't close to Jesus, but is to see the people of God in the presence of God singing the praises of God. 
And I think it's just really cool for us to be able to like lift our hands, change our posture, close our eyes. Like for me, I have to close my eyes, my physical eyes to cast out the distractions around me so that my, my spiritual eyes actually have time to open. Like for me, I have to close my physical eyes so I can like get away from the world for a minute and then my spiritual eyes can open. And so then it's like, man, I'm not just like looking at whatever circumstance I have. I'm not seeing God through that circumstance. I'm seeing that circumstance through God. Like he is showing me himself through the circumstance that I'm in when I take a moment and just change my posture around. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see someone raising your, their hands, that's why. It's like, uh, I'm going to, you know, yeah. you go to a concert. People change their posture all the time. They're like, woo, you know? Yeah. So it's a totally natural human response, and we can do that here. So if you want to do that, don't, don't feel ashamed. Go for it. I mean, I, I raise my hand sometimes. Sometimes I don't. It's just about, like, what posture do I want to put myself in to worship God? And so, like, feel free to be you, you know, do you. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, one final thing I wanted to address is I've been asked this before. Like, if I'm not, if I'm not a Christian, like, what am I supposed to get out of this singing time? And uh, I just wanted to say two real quick things. One thing I hope you get out is truth. Because uh, remember, God teaches us through song. I mean, you go, there's songs in the Bible. They're called the Psalms. They're songs. And uh, you can learn incredible truth about who God is and how he feels about you by just listening to these songs. But secondly, I also just hope you're uplifted. I mean, even if you take God out of the equation of the song, I just hope you go like, yeah, there is hope in the world. Or like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's going to be okay. Or like, um, you know, I don't know. The, the guy I am loved. You know, I am, I am valuable. I mean, I'm made in the image of God, or maybe you don't believe in God, but I hope the songs give you truth and hope, uh, and that maybe through time you learn a little bit more about this God that I believe loves you and made you. So um, I think there's something there for you, even if you're not a believer, and, and so like you can just kind of sit there and take it in, or you can join in, or whatever. You can like you just you say watermelon if you don't know the words, and it's a secret church secret from a church yeah. kid. Um, but that's it. Um, yeah. Worship is a life that belongs to God. And the reason that we sing every Sunday and we call it worship is because the songs that we sing impact the life that we live. And, and I mean, I hope a lot of Sundays you get a big old exclamation point on a week that you've spent worshiping God. But man, a lot of the times it's just a chance for us to have a comma and let God turn that steering wheel of our heart, our mind and our soul and our life to the God we were made to worship. And so in the name of that, I don't know whether you need an exclamation point right now or a comma, but we're going to end our service uh, by worshiping together. So I would love to invite you to stand and I would love to you to get, invite you to get in whatever posture you want to get in and let's just sing yeah. together let's worship together and um I was gonna say this too about this first oh, song yeah, yeah, that we're you, gonna sing um, sorry no no so the this first song we're gonna sing I feel like punctuates what we're talking about really well because the first verse um says this line it says I'm gonna sing until my heart starts changing like basically saying like I'm gonna just do this because I know that it's gonna do something in me it's going to do something in me because the fear I'm facing doesn't change who God is. It actually shows me that God is still real and alive and tangible. And then here's what's cool. The second verse, when we get to the second verse, it actually takes us to the next level of what Jamie was talking about a minute ago. When it's not just a song, it says, now I'm going to take my life and my life is going to be the thing that worships God. It's not just going to be about a song I sing. It's going to be about my life. So let me pray for us. And then the band is going to take over. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for giving us music. Uh, what a great tool that we have to connect with you in a really powerful, powerful way. Thank you for giving us our minds, ways that we can think about you. And thank you for giving us our feelings and our emotions. And that worship is not an emotion, but it can be and honestly should be emotional. Because when we're in the presence of the one that created us, and when our um, sinfulness steps into the presence of your holiness, we can't walk away the same. And so I pray that right now in this moment, 
that it wouldn't feel fabricated, that it wouldn't feel made up, that it wouldn't feel uh, imaginative, but it would actually feel real and authentic and that we would actually experience you in the room with us as you inhabit the praise of your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's sing together. Thank you.
I remember those melodies. I remember those melodies. The words we say when I first believed. Songs of redemption, stories of hope. 
Thanks so much for joining us today at East Cobb Church. We love you so much and are so glad that you're a part of our church family. Uh, congratulations again to the families of the kids that got baptized. Let's give them a round of applause again. Um, we have a little uh, like special treat for you guys if you haven't been told that. So I'll see you guys over there. But for the rest of you, you are dismissed. We love you. Join us next week for part two of Church Words. We're going to take communion together. We're excited about that. But y'all go love where you live. And we'll see you next Sunday. About a hundred days with Laying in the yard Staring up at stars Wondering where all the planes went